Hey everybody, welcome to Highfalutin Ski Bump Podcast, episode 93. It is your pals, Mario and Brian and Andrea. What's going on, Mario? Uh, we have a special guest today, I like it. I like Andrew's coming back today, that's uh, from a little hiatus. There's a lot that's been going on, so we'll talk about that. Hi, but uh, We do, the lovely and talented Andrea is joining us today. Yeah, so thanks for joining us. With a beautiful thanks hat. for having me. Yes, I'm wearing the chicken hat today. <laughs> yeah, someone had to wear it. Someone had to. She she volunteered, so. Yep. <laughs> she fell on the grenade for us. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks, everybody, for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check out all of our info, skibumpodcast.com. Check us out on the socials, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast. We're on Pinterest as the Highfalutins. We're also on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash... Let me check. I always forget this. Gosh. SoundCloud, we have an episode from like episode five. Well, out the last, there. we do have some retro. <laughs> it's retro. We're gonna do some throwback ski bone podcast goodness. It's, it's on the there. Sound retro cloud. Yeah, we have it. It's um highfalutin dash ski bum. Boom. So there you go. And we updated Pinterest before this show. We sure did. We love <laughs> to get our Pinterest on. We we're also looking at Confederate flag bikinis, which was, you know what? Sometimes you go on the internet and you end up in a weird sort of rabbit hole. Well, that was that was bait, one of those, which was good. Yeah, it was it was clickbaity. Yeah, there was enough ads. You know, we we were the product on that one. Yeah, I don't know if it was a Fourth of July thing, if it was a Bastille Day thing, but somehow we ended up with Confederate flag. Why Confederate flags? Right, it's weird. <sighs> South will apparently rise again. So they say. <laughs> so they so say. the rumor goes. They still think the war is on. Some of them. Mm. Just saying. Yep. And with that, it's time for our prey today. Oh. Oh, that was uh, with Jill. Was Jill. Yes. Thanks, Jill. Lovely Jill. All right, so uh, while we're well, with that nice Jill introduction, we uh, Brian, what are you starting with? What do you have today? Well, I have a uh, I had a birthday recently, and there was there was evidence of this posted on Instagram, and one of the wonderful gifts that I did receive from the loving folks who attended my little surprise party was several beers that many people consider the finest in all the land who go to great distances to procure or to trade online for good sums of money. You have a nice beer vault going right now. I've got a serious beer vault. I'm going to have to post that on Instagram as well this week. But I am drinking a Treehouse Brewing Company, Julius. Yes. It is a delicious IPA, 6.8% by volume. Nice, healthy size can too. It's the big pint size, and uh, you split that one. That was it's, good, right? Oh, it's if you're into tropical IPAs, this is the beer for you. Delicious. I mean, you got it's like a mango, peach, passion fruit flavor, crispy. Oh, it's it's dynamite. So, if you can somehow get your hands on it or come over and hang out with me, uh, get some Julius because I've got a few more in the fridge. Cool. You got to earn them though. Wink, wink. <laughs> All right, Andrea, why don't we go to you? Okay, so uh, I'm I'm sticking with the virgin drinks these days. <laughs> and why is that? <laughs> I'm almost 36 weeks pregnant, so wow. it's it's bun in to the, the oven. End. Yeah, it's if we stop this podcast for any reason, then you might there might be a delivery coming. I don't know. <laughs> We're that close. I'll let you know. Now, Usually, it, there's some warning signs. Now, is it possible the water could break and actually be snow? Uh oh. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you 
had me stand like I don't know. Hands hands at, at a high altitude. Oh, altitude. that'd be awesome. The air conditioning <laughs> running like I under her know. or something. Yeah, I guess I yeah, you could probably do that. Winter is coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's summer now, so. No, it's almost ski season. We call it. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know this. We don't use the S word. Yes. Yeah, this is like this is the only time that I'm really not excited to be in almost ski season because it's uh, hot. <laughs> yep. See, but it's you're going to deliver time. and you'll be ready for ski season. <laughs> yeah. That's the you got three months time. to train. I got to train up again and get Boom. in shape. And, time to mow. Yeah. Yeah. Get but I'm, I'm drinking um, coconut lacroix. <laughs> <laughs> it's delicious. Coconut water. Yes. It's very good. It's we good. don't call it LaCroix like the common folk do. That's right. We call That's it French. La Croix. La Croix. La Croix. La Croix. Delectable. And we are not making a Helen Hunt mural out of La Croix cans, are we? <laughs> <No>. ah. <laughs> oh my God, they have passion fruit. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't get the reference, it's from the HBO show High Maintenance. High Maintenance. We highly recommend. Yes. Highly recommend. Get, a get bike that wordplay. Come on. Get a bike and some weed and uh, go live in uh, Brooklyn. You can make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> Mario, what are you partaking in this evening? All right. I'm having a collaboration between Alesmith Brewing Company and Pizza. What's the name of the? Porta. Pizza Porta uh, from San Diego, California called Logical Conclusion. So this is a triple IPA, 10%, 10% ABV. Uh, Brian and I also split this because... Ten percent—that's a pretty, pretty girthy one. We got to stay a little bit coherent for this podcast, so you know, yeah, we couldn't we... be dropping a couple ten percent bombs on each other. <laughs> I tell you, it doesn't taste like a uh, triple. It tastes like a pale ale. Uh, it's light, malty, um, has that mango citrus, uh, but it's it's still pretty crisp. I gotta say. Yeah, both of those are very citrusy and and pleasant to drink, and not bitter at all. But the one thing you notice though, when you pour them out, is that. The Julius is way cloudier, way hazier yeah. than the uh, the logical conclusion, which is kind of a cleaner looking beer. Very but crisp. I'm a big fan of those hazy IPAs, though. They are they are my wheelhouse. I love them. I tell you, for a triple though, that was like surprisingly light. It was light, crisp, refreshing, and I was like, this really could sneak up on you because it doesn't doesn't taste like it's a pretty heavy beer yeah you made it you made a good point too is that it comes in a six pack which for a triple ipa yeah. is kind of a rarity usually it's a four pack or, right. or even like a, a tall bottle what are those called um do they have a name uh, bomber the, growler like half a liter right Something yeah but like do they have some sort of name let's call them a bomber let's call them bomber i like that <laughs> that works <laughs> but yeah it came in a six pack 12 uh 12 ounce six pack and i was like that's odd yeah, Especially for ten percent. Because usually you think like six pack cans, something you could bring to the beach, you know, like yeah. like some shandies or whatever, where you can have maybe, a couple. Maybe that's what you're supposed to do. Bring like three of those for the whole day and just pass out on the Imagine beach. Imagine there's like ninety three of them. <laughs> you have like one and a half, ninety <laughs> degrees. You're freaking just frying out there with no. You look like suntan lotion. Chris Christie on Fourth of July, oh. the Jersey Shore, just like a beached whale. Boom, beach whale. Burnt. In it. Yeah, burnt, like, burnt, crisp. Yep. Cool. Like a big bloated. Turd. He didn't get any beach. sun though. No he, sun. No sun. He had a baseball hat on. He did. They pushed him back <laughs> in the water. That's why. You gotta respect that chair. <laughs> the uh, the the structural integrity of that beach chair. The hardest working thing on that beach. Unbelievable. Yep. <laughs> Tax dollars at work. That chair. That chair is the hardest working <laughs> thing. <laughs> I wonder if Bruce Spring, Springsteen's gonna write a song about that chair. 
<laughs> there was a mighty chair in Jersey. He kept his fat ass off the sand. They're going to save it, like test it. Like, this is an incredibly built chair. <laughs> All right. Next up. Oh, we've got a... Uh, while we're there. Well, while we're at, on, at Apre. We're still at Apre. What do we do after Apre? Got to recover. You got to work that hangover. Ever. Like, if you Apre pretty hard, uh, there are some, some drinks now. There's one called the Morning Recovery Drink. And uh, it's formulated to be to like boost your body's natural response to alcohol and help you overcome that hangover. So I think Brian, you found this a while ago, and it was called the Hangover Drink, and they've rebranded since to the Morning Recovery. Um, and we'll be getting some in a few weeks. Oh, oh yeah, they're saying August. So yeah, it's on Indiegogo right now, and they're. They were gunning for twenty five thousand dollars. That was their flexible goal. They have hit over one hundred and forty six thousand, and they still have twenty days left. And that's because there's a lot of alcohol drinking people in this country. <laughs> Apparently, good. there's a lot of alcoholics here who want to get some of this. Well, if it's a natural solution to, and it, it kills a hangover, I'm sure everybody's willing to try it. That's why. Yeah, their headline is "Meet Your Liver's Best Friend." All right. So I wonder. If, I mean, I. Again, I don't understand the human reproductive or reproductive. I don't remember. I don't what are know you how doing with your beer. Exactly. I don't know how any <laughs> after you drink the beer, you I get a little reproductive. That's that's how little I know about any systems in my body. It's not like a Plan B. Like, it's, wait, isn't it's a like hangover isn't that where your sperms is in your liver? Your sperms. <laughs> yeah, like the a, liver. You know, somebody out there thinks like, oh man, my liver is 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 pushing out my sperms. I gotta make sure my liver's. That's okay. what I think. There's like a big old reservoir of sperms in the liver, right? <laughs> That's why you Back shouldn't. Up. <laughs> and your tears come from your kidneys, of course. Right? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and when doves cry, like that has to do with your kidneys as well. Like, make sure you don't get punched in the nose because you might not be able to have kids after. Right. So, what would that be? Your endocrine system, the liver? Um, it's, uh, I don't know. It's part of your circulatory, immune, immune respiratory. Yeah. There's all those systems. There's too many systems. A lot of systems. A lot of systems. I thought liver was for waste and kidneys were circulatory. Mm. I could be. I could uh, be. Wrong. They're both. Well, they're both kind of waste. Like but this, kidney filters yeah, stuff you're out. Right. And so the this liver helps filter stuff out. So with this drink, stuff. does it get there? I mean, the alcohol is already there. So does it? How does this drink protect your liver? So I mean, I, I get. So I get. I mean, I get that it's the purpose of it is to prevent hangovers. But saying that it meet your liver's best friend, you'd think it would be protecting the liver from the damage the alcohol does. Well, it's because it's peach flavor. That helps. Oh, of course. Well, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> let's let's move on then. <laughs> totally makes it better. It, it's got peach. I mean, I guess looking at the uh, the ingredients here, it is pretty much um, milk th- thistle. Oh, totally. Thiamine, niacin, B six, folate, um, milk thistle, milk thistle. That's it. Taurine, taurine. So is the taurine like, what they use in uh, Red Bull? Isn't the big? It uh, is. Yep. Is that the caffeine bit, or is that the... Well, it's not caffeine. It's caffeine-like. It gives you the boost. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it's kind of like it'll wake you up, and it helps you give you the vitamins that you're probably depleted if you drank a lot. So that's why you have the B and the folate and all that other stuff in there. This is so funny because it shows the little pictures. It says, like, go out, have a good time. You deserve it. Number two, drink your 3.4-ounce bottle of morning recovery. Number three, go to bed and wake up ready to conquer the day tomorrow. The the problem is if you're drinking enough that you need this bottle, you're going to be too drunk to remember to drink the bottle. Well, here's the problem is 
everybody thinks that there's going to be a magic bullet. You're going to go out and get super crunked and be like, oh, no, I'm going to drink this before I go to bed. I'll be fine. And you wake up at some other person's house. <laughs> and you wake up like really still in the bathtub. Up. That's right. Because your body can only process so much alcohol per hour. Now, good folks at Morning Recovery, the key is to this, suppositories. Uh-oh. Suppositories or tampons. If you keister one of these, like a tampon full of this it's stuff. a pretty bef- small bottle. Before you go out, yeah, keister it. Long neck bottle. Long, long neck, neck bottle. <laughs> keister it before you go out and then have it activate in your system as you're drinking. And then when you pass out, it'll fully kick in. Well, you're supposed to do it after drinking. Well, I know. Before but- you go to bed. So... So if you keister it, it'll happen right away. Right. You got to do it after you're drinking. Keister it. Wow. So that, that chronologically, that poses a bit of a problem. But chronologically, that's when you're getting into like the hookup zone. Like that, that's going like, to be a little bit of bro, play in there. One thirty. Can you keister this for me? <laughs> if I fall asleep, can you just jam it in can there? Can you give me the old uh, Pulp Fiction hide the watch treatment? Jeez. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> right? I don't know. But they're, they're billing it that... So if you get really hammered and you take this, you're still going to be hammered in the morning. Like, <laughs> if you just stop drinking at, like, 2, take mm-hmm. it, and wake up at, like, 5 o'clock for work, you're still hammered. What if you take two of these or three? You're hammered, but you might feel better. Yeah. Yeah, they've got some pretty, uh, some pretty serious uh, packages here that you can, you can get. Say, like, the regular, like, you know, $45 12-pack one. I have, I have the one called the Summer Party. It's a hundred and twenty pack for three hundred and sixty bucks. It's a party. You hand it's those not out. Not a bad deal. Yeah. That's after you have like a big party. You just start handing them out. End of the night. See, this is where something that would be, if it was on like a patch or something, you could wear underneath a patch. A patch and have like a, uh, some sort that's, of. That's the next Indiegogo. We're going. We're going in the future, my man. That's right. We're going into the future. Have this and have it like tied to an app on your phone, so you can have it like deploy at a certain time, and the app will time trigger release. time release. The the app will trigger when the patch should release the goodness into your system. Are you going to have a little monitor on the bottle that you shove up your? <laughs> sure, <laughs> absolutely. The suppository bottle that's hooked up to the app. That's where the chip is that transponds with your phone. Of course, I mean, where else could you put it? Of course, it's like the South Park with the bike. Oh yeah, <laughs> you have to have the thing in your butt, in your do mouth. I, do I have? Can I get the regular? Well, you can, but you know. <laughs> why would you want that? <laughs> so right. more in your recovery. We will have the link on the website, stubumpodcast.com and you can check it out too, and you can figure out how you can keister a morning recovery bottle. And we're gonna try it out after one of these shows. Yeah, we should be a thundercrunk show. We should pick one show and just yeah, just be a mess, and then test out the morning after. That might be the show before I leave for Florida. The show before the show. Oh, actually, it's August, so we have a whole month. Yeah. We're number 100. It's going to have to happen. Number 100. Number 100. That could be the episode. Oh, we're at 93. Yeah. We're getting close. Getting close. We're going to have to squeeze a few more to hit 100. Yeah. Or maybe not. We no, I think we should four, be good. Four, eight. Yeah, we got eight weeks at least. Yeah. Assuming we're doing every week, but summer is a little... Touch and go, yeah, as they say. We're a little slackers. We'll go for 100. We're going to aim for 100, and that's when the... Uh, if we're close enough, we'll just say it's honorary 100. Close enough. i got to break open the bottle of bourbon that I got. Yes. That it's like the whole holding. goddamn bottle. Oh, it's another, another bullet to the head. These all sound oh, like boy. terrible ideas. That's another <laughs> bullet night. I don't know if I can handle that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Wow. That was a pretty yum, good discussion. Yum, yum. <laughs> But while we're talking about vices, let's talk about 
Oh yeah, we're getting in the ganjula. Or the ginjula. The ganjula. Yeah. Got the skis out there. The board is is in there. We're getting in. Everybody's insecure. Hey, man. Now what are we doing? We're partaking in a little bit of uh, Frank's Bean of the Week. Frank and Beans. So, Frank, thank you so much. Oh, my God. <laughs> Frank and Beans. Frank and Beans. You're the, uh, that <laughs> video was... He did a... He found a Snapchat meme of the, uh, the new hot dog... Filter? Um, filter, where yeah. the, the dancing hot dog, dancing on a dog's... Um, balls which is actually <laughs> is very that scientific term that that was a clinical was, term i was trying to go for the Testicles. do i want to get balls <laughs> balls look yeah up. it's kind of like look at the balls on that dog <laughs> <laughs> hey let's put a hot dog on top why not right and that was frank and beans all right so frank's bean of the week this week is chiquita banana so of course we had to listen to the chiquita banana theme song or music from the 1940s which <laughs> it was actually pretty good it was very you know what very it was, happy. It was a simpler time back then. Yeah. Happy, uplifting, like singing that little song. A very simple time. a little cartoon to go with it. Yeah, it's adorable. Um, so Chiquita Banana is by Utopia Farms, which takes the banana OG cut to the next level with an average THC percentage pushing 33%. Across between parent strains OG Kush and banana, Chiquita Banana leads with a potent, heady sizzle like brought on by the enormous quantity of THC, which then melds into a cushesque body buzz that is relaxing but not sedative. These cush effects continue to gain potency over time, creeping over the body. The powerful hybrid is an outstanding option for patients struggling to hurdle their tolerance barrier, and its effects are also well-suited for those suffering from chronic pain or nausea. Nice. The profile on this looked pretty good. It was like... Uh, uplifting, euphoric, like all good. And the only bad uh, negative possible that they had side effect was dry mouth, but no paranoia. Not a, It was like a tiny bit of paranoia and yeah. something else. Happy, like, euphoric, uplifted, relaxed. Yeah. What, what is bad about that? That means you could, you could partake in this and then listen to the Chiquita Banana song mm-hmm. like all night and just be happy. Yeah. It'd make you feel relaxed, happy. Chilling out. Yeah. I like the Kush effect. There's got to be a song or, or that's got to be a, a study. The Kush effect. The Kush effect? Yeah. Like that. Yeah. All right. Well, we're in the gondola. We got some news about uh, things going around in our nation. Yeah. Give it up for Nevada, the silver state. Boom. Making it happen. So they're reporting. They just went uh, live with recreational marijuana uh, July 1st. And they're reporting that they generate $3 million in sales revenue and approximately $500,000, half a million dollars, in tax revenue over the first four days of recreational marijuana sales. That is unbelievable. That's nuts, right? Four days. So I wonder when every other state is going to wake up and say, holy crap, we're missing out on that revenue, that much revenue. Yeah, and people are going to become happy, fun, and euphoric. Oh, my God, what a horrible drug. Let's get them on opiates, you know, so they freaking start, like, you know, Sucking dicks in parking lots. You know, that's a great thing. Speaking of sucking dicks, so Chris Christie wouldn't have had... Whoa! Going back to Chris Christie, he wouldn't have had to close the goddamn state uh, parks on 4th of July weekend if he had the revenue from... The budget would like have this. been settled, right? It would have been fine. Right. I mean, instead of spending, you would know... Would have been in the green, man. Instead of lobbying for, you know, fast food and, and things like that, he could have been lobbying for, you know, something that's going to help our... Yeah, give it a few more months. Just saying. Yeah, it's 
speak in a second. But America has an addiction problem. We've got an addiction problem in this country. Yeah. As he's eating a sandwich. Friggin' just <laughs> a friggin' giant log of Taylor ham. <laughs> Not even cooked. <laughs> it's like food coming out. Just friggin' keistering it. <laughs> All right, what well, else we got? So staying on the Nevada tip here, because of the massive uh, demand for it in opening the opening weekend where they legalized, they actually had a huge shortage of marijuana in Nevada, wow. which is they ran of, out. They freaking ran out. There was a, so there was an issue there where the way they signed the law, you know, it took place where on July first it was legal, and the way they had it set up was the medical dispensaries, you know, who were medical only, were now recreational. So they were could only they were using what they had left from their medical distribution. And the law was stated that for the first 18 months of pot sales in Nevada, the alcohol distributors were the ones who would transport the marijuana. Problem was, no, none of the liquor distributors applied to transport it. So there was no... Whatever, it was, whatever those 50 dispensaries had for medical was all they could sell for recreational. I think there was a story a few months ago that we covered where they said how they're coexisting and there's space for both of them mm-hmm. in the market. Yeah. And you almost wonder, is this just because the other ones didn't apply for it? Or did they say, hey, we'll quote-unquote play nice and, and... But without us, they well, won't get any weed. Exactly. So we hold the keys. Nobody apply for a permit. You know, yeah. it's kind of, you wonder what's going on. Well, it's to that same old creepy ghoul who owns those casinos. Um, was it Alder- Sandy Alderson or whatever? Remember he was um, he was yeah. um, lobbying to not pass this bill, right? Of course, because you know when you have six hundred million dollars, it makes a huge difference if you lose, you know, one you make one million less a year, right? And you're still making ten, you know, bastards, stupid dickheads. So <laughs> what they did, so what Nevada had to do was they had to have an emergency regulation in place to allow you know to get these liquor distributors in place so that they could transport the marijuana so they had i think seven applied of the 70 wholesalers that they have and two were granted licenses now well that's good for them so they were able to get those two are gonna flourish while everybody else didn't apply pretty much yeah first mover uh advantage i'd volunteer to just drive and just pick up some weed and just bring it back if that's what they want yeah right it's called a mule so (laughs) (laughs) So everything... Mule trucking. Well, it's funny how all the different states have different laws regarding it. You know, like just even the things about growing and distribution and sales and age. Like there's, they're all a little bit different. No one's got the same, the same laws for it, which makes things a little bit, you know, challenging and confusing. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you're ever going to get away from that because it's all state regulated, right? mm -hmm. But it's interesting, like you said, to see everybody has their own little lobbies going and... Everything they're trying to protect. Yeah. So, way to go, Nevada. You're getting it done. Making it happen. All right. So, next up we have... Andrew, you want to take this one? Want to 3D print your own marijuana edibles? Who doesn't? (laughs) Check out Potent Rope. All right. So, we got to see this. We got a 3D weed printer. Yeah. So, this is cool. This is a company called Potent Rope. And they've created an edible cannabis filament... For 3D printing. Damn. So it comes in two sizes. Uh, do everything with a 3D printer now. It's the future, you know? 
I remember when they were so big, like, oh, everybody's going to have a 3D printer. We're going to make everything like that. And the market just ran in and stocks went up. And then they just crashed down. They're like, yeah, nobody's using it. And now it's starting to like, yeah, I was looking at like a couple of the 3D, the big 3D printing stocks for a while. And I wanted to get in and I just didn't. Good that you didn't. They've taken a beating. Yeah. It's a little bit too, it's a little bit too futuristic, I think, for, for most people. It was like, what, five or 10 years ahead of, they were speculating like crazy, like on it, you know? Yeah. So what this company does is, is they created a, so they have these filaments in there. Uh, that can be used in any standard consumer 3D printer. And it's made with FDA-approved water-soluble thermoplastic. Hmm. And thermoplastic does not sound very tasty or delicious, <laughs> but the average person reportedly consumes about 44 pounds a year in products like beer, wine, and teeth whitening strips. Damn. Apparently, people eat teeth whitening strips. I did not know this. I don't eat mine. I usually use them, and I put them... In the garbage after. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> well, you, apparently, you can eat them. So this thermoplastic is combined with pharmaceutical-grade uh, excipients and active cannabis extract before being extruded into a standard-sized filament. So I they just want to know, like, how much thermoplastic am I eating a year now? This is going to interest me. And you're probably eating a lot. Damn. Mm-hmm. Synthetic resins become plastic on heating and harden on cooling. So Potent Rope is working with a bunch of different states that have legalized it and are hoping are hoping eh, are hoping to get this into these states in the next couple of months or years. But you're able to I mean, imagine that being able to 3D print your own weed edibles. But now would it mean that we're going to consume like 60 pounds of of thermoplastic? Is that bad? I don't know what what's the limit of thermoplastic. Maybe for now you might be consuming a lot, but Are I'm sure they'll get. It? What if they get to the point where they're able to create a thermoplastic-like substance from the cannabis plant? Or how about like use something else like cornstarch or something? Or hemp. I'm sure they got to be able to use hemp in some something. way. Yeah. Have Hemp's- they made any uh, progress towards legalizing growing that here? Hemp. Mm. It's sort of gray well, area again. Has been passed, but you think North Carolina, Colorado, and Vermont maybe mm. can grow it? Yeah, there's a bunch of states that passed hemp, but um, cannabis is still. Yeah, they're still t- you know so they closely. finally made the distinction of what hemp versus cannabis. Like. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, no, they've they've saying. made it, but people are still a little bit stupid about it you know they they don't really want to know the difference new york is trying to grow it it's funny like they're all focusing on like you know the effects of the marijuana edibles and they're not like okay so is the thermoplastic okay yeah (laughs) right talking about i guess it's in so many products they're like yeah whatever yeah new york apparently has a bunch of uh permits Hmm. for hemp hemp research permits yeah ah research that's good Mm mm-hmm Cornell and so what do you think would you eat a thermoplastic pellet of cannabis sure why not you take a pill of like uh, vitamins and pharmaceuticals you don't know what's in that well thing is can you 3D print like a key lime pie <laughs> now a, now we're talking a weed lime pie <laughs> it's gonna be like Star Trek like I want a key lime pie and boop you get a piece of key lime pie 
printed well, that's right what they out. They do for the astronauts. They yeah. set them up with a three D printer and nice. you know, pizza ingredients and they just make their own food. Yeah, they can make their own food. That Damn. is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. That's brilliant. Right? Wow. So you could have spaghetti or pizza or anything in that range of like mm-hmm. That would suck if they forgot like one ingredient. Yeah, like there's no <laughs> pizza like sauce. Tomato, yeah. Cheese. Yeah. Like, oh, oh that's the best part. So now it's a grilled cheese. An open face grilled cheese is what you're giving me. Damn. No, no, without cheese. Oh, without cheese? Can you imagine that? Open face what? A piece of bread? It's pretty much a tomato sandwich. Pizza without cheese? That would be horrible. Terrible. I guess if you're lactose intolerant, then it's good for you. And it's perfect. And I'm sure all the other... You don't want... Imagine being stuck in a a capsule with cheese and a lactose intolerant fellow astronaut. Cheese. Just ripping them. That would be pretty bad. Just ripping them. There's nowhere for that air to go. That, into your soul that would be the um the shuttle or the space station that they don't recycle they just leave it out there <laughs> just send it into the sun they're like yeah <laughs> <laughs> things destroyed man how do we get some rocket boosted on this bad boy <laughs> i'm gonna clean the poop out of this rocket send us to the sun <laughs> it's too much we can't clean it out yeah yeah at what point do you say okay it's just not recyclable <laughs> pretty much sorry elon we can't reuse this rocket again that's right it's done done deal <laughs> Dunzo. All right, we got one more story. Anybody want this? That, Fine. That's all you. This I'll is do a good, it. This is a good story. This is pretty awesome. This study came out from. Now again, this sounds a little interesting, but it is from the Catholic University of Korea College of Medicine, and published in the journal Anti Cancer Research. They have found promising evidence that THC may be the medicine the best medicine available to treat stomach cancer. Damn. Especially when traditional medicine has been ineffective. During the study, researchers used cancer cells that were resistant to chemotherapy and dosed the cells with a synthetic form of delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, um, one of the primary compounds found in cannabis. Researchers noted a drastic reduction in the survival rate of the cancer cells that were exposed to the synthetic THC. Hmm. And they said that larger doses of THC led to higher rates of cancer cell death. And they said that natural THC is likely even more effective. Wow. Which is, and that, that's fantastic news. I mean, this is something that should be on the, the top stories of major news networks. Yeah, I think you know, it's great. This is they amazing got, like, research. It's great they have a study behind it because it's mm-hmm. like now they put it out there. It's great. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm sure that, you know, they're trying to do more research and they're trying to change the scheduling of cannabis. And it's only a matter of time. You know, I'm, unfortunately, we do have some folks in the United States high up in government who are anti-science, anti-research, anti-knowledge, but they will be dead soon. And more <laughs> intelligent people will be in those positions. And we, the people, will rise up and we will get the uh, the products, the treatment, and the... The goodness. See, Sam, we just got to wait a minute. Live out. the lives. Yeah, that's all we can do at this point, you know? Keep yeah. bombarding them with, with evidence and keep fighting the good fight. I mean, that's all you really can do. Not giving up. We the people. We the people. It's so amazing that it's not just for pain management, you know? Yeah, like... I mean, it actually really helps. Well, Even yeah. for women, too. Like, let's say with, like, uh, menstrual cramps. I've heard plenty of people talk about how the only thing that's worked for them... You know, with the pain of menstrual cramps, is cannabis. 
or CBD, I think. So, you know, so you're not going to get high from it. Yeah. But you're going to get that, you know, the relief. It's from the plant. That's cool. It, the more you research you see, the more magical you find out this plant is. And the more almost criminal it is that it's being kept illegal and, you know, the way it's been treated over the years. Well, I think the funny part is, like, you look at all the byproducts we've gotten out of stuff that's come naturally. And this is something that... Well, it seems like, you know, oh, my God, it's so fantastic that there's so many properties that we didn't know about. Well, because we haven't looked at it for how many years. Like, you know, we, we never did research it's on it. It's been vilified. Yeah, it's just know? something that we've never done the research to say, mm-hmm. is it beneficial or not? And now they're, they're coming out like, yeah, this could be stuff that we stupidly were ignoring for so many years. It's crazy how we as humans just and in societies, we just we are on a, a momentum path, you know, it's like. Oh, well, this is illegal. It's bad. Okay, let's just kind of keep going. It's illegal and bad, you know? Yeah. And then you finally now we're at a point where we have so much food. We have plenty of shelter. We have the internet, which provides us with an unbelievable amount of knowledge and education that we can take a step back and actually look at these things and go, okay, well, why is this illegal? Why is this bad? Well, you know, it's it was, it was made illegal in the 30s, so it must be bad. Well, why? Well... Actually, when you look at kind of peel the onion back, you see, oh, well, they just ended prohibition of alcohol and they needed to give people jobs. So they had to find something else to make illegal. And there was a problem with the blacks and the, the Hispanics. You know, they said that cannabis was the one that made them go after white women. You know, there's actually that's what they were actually saying back then. It's crazy. It's, it's absolutely the stupidest thing ever. But they needed some sort of scapegoat. And then after that, they said, Oh, actually, it makes you a pacifist during the Cold War. So they just kept changing the narrative for why it should be illegal and banned and never looked at again. You know? It's, it, it's, yeah. it's interesting to see a lot of stuff that was done. Like, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have, like, the world was so different. Like, things took, what, what takes, like, a month to happen in your life used to take, like, a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even going to visit somebody was, you know, you didn't, call them all the time you didn't have communication with them like you didn't see people often like it, everything happened so much slower now 80 years just, ago we're like the dark ages if yeah. you think about it you know doctors were recommending cigarettes yeah <laughs> the think about it like that the flintstones were on a commercial yeah. for cigarettes that's right that's mm-hmm. awesome yeah it's crazy mm-hmm. absolutely crazy. i was actually yeah I've, I've talked to andrea about this and we were joking i mean i was thinking if i had a time machine one of the first things i would do Everyone wants to go back and kill Hitler or do whatever. You know, that's very kind of cliche and adorable. My first thing I would do is I would go back to the bread lines during the Depression and, you know, just find some some lady who's waiting in line with her kids, you know, to, to get their bread and say, oh, hello, miss. I just want to let you know everything's going to be okay. I know things may suck right now. Everything's going to be okay. In fact, I promise you this. Your granddaughter is going to get her vagina waxed once a month. <laughs> that's how easy life is going to be. The in about, luxury of that. That's how easy life is going to be in about 60 years from now. Yeah. She may even get vajazzled. Vajazz- What's that? Oh, it's when you actually decorate your Punani region with jewels. What's a Punani? <laughs> this would be a really long conversation, right? This is how crazy life's going to be in 60 
short years. There's stuff you couldn't even explain to people. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're going to have the internet. They're going to be talking on a cell phone. What's a cell phone? What's the internet? <laughs> like, you have to explain all these concepts. Yeah. That's why it's like, it's such a different world now. But could you, and it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And you know what? What's, what are the next 60 years going to look like? We're going to look like Neanderthals with these stupid laptops that we have. So I took an, an environmental design course when I was in, in college, and one of the things they talked about was uh, at the rate that technology and improvements uh, happen in your environment, you can only handle so much at the point that you are right now. Now, as, as time progresses, you're exposed to more things. You can ingest more it's changes. It's like exponential, yeah. So exponentially, that's why, like, right. you know, back in the in the 50s, if if, you know, you were to come out and give them a cell phone they'd freak out they thought they'd think it was the devil's you know devil's work or whatever yeah or you're a spy or whatever nowadays like everything's moving at such a rapid pace that we're more accepting of new things it's 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 gonna be interesting isn't it funny too when you watch movies or you know music videos or whatever and you look at technology that they have in the you know shows movies videos whatever and the things they brag about technology wise just looks so dated so the quickly. Phone. The cell yeah. phone is the best. You watch like a friggin' like Biggie video and he's got like his like big <laughs> dorky giant cell phone. You're like, what the hell is that shit? You know, like it just looks so goofy and they're bragging about it, like, got my cell phone. You know, I was watching a movie and the guy and the person in the movie is like from the 80s or whatever. Like, they're like, guess where I'm calling from? I'm calling from the car. Yeah. It's like this big gigantic console in the, in the car. <laughs> oh, awesome. Love that. My, yeah. my first car had a car phone. Did it? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Ooh. I had an 89 Volvo. Wow. Was like, that was back when they had oh like rip stuff out of the dash and like put <laughs> the emergency brake. Yeah. You don't need this. You don't need that. You're going to make phone calls. <laughs> this is an emergency. Chuck that in there. Yeah. Funny. Back before they didn't, they didn't require you to have seatbelts. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> my dad cut his out of the car. <laughs> He's like, that fucking thing gets in the way. He just cut it with his carpet shears. Just there you go. It's nice. Out. Snippy snip. I was like, what happened to the seatbelts? Like, ah, the fucking thing was getting in the way. My parents had a car and the back seat was a bench. And like, that's where yeah. we sat. And they actually eventually put in like a, a makeshift seatbelt. But oh, it was like they? this. It was like a stapled <laughs> onto the bench lap belt. So wow. if, if there was an accident and like there's something that breaks, like you'd pretty much be like cut in half. Pretty much. You know? Yeah. It's like a rope. <laughs> it's like tied to your waist. We're not going to keep it at neck level. We're just going to put it at waist level. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> it's better to be cut. In, it's harder to be cut in half and decapitated. Yeah, think about it. There, no, there were no airbags, no anti-lock brakes. There was no, none of that technology. Now they have cars that like if you're an idiot, it'll stop you from crashing into other people. Mm-hmm. It'll stop you from crashing into things. Park for you. Like. It really has, you know, helped out, like, the technology. And those old cars were made of, like, solid steel, and you think, oh, they were so strong. They were so, you know, indestructible. (laughs) They were death traps. Death traps. Like, they show the the accidents that, like, happen if you have one of those older cars, and it just crumples. (laughs) I remember in uh, Driver's Ed, they would show you the videos of, like, here's an accident, and you've seen this horrible... It was like... Joey had (laughs) alcohol before he went out on a drive. It was a whole class of snuff films. I'm like, why the hell are you showing... (laughs) Of course, they those like high speed crashes they would show oh, and yeah. people like flying through the windshields. <laughs> You're like, I don't, I don't want to drive ever again. Thanks. Yeah. Now I need a chauffeur. Yeah. Now I got to work really hard, get a good job, and get a chauffeur. Oh, now I'll take an Uber. Take an Uber. I won't even drive. I'll trust somebody that probably can't drive <laughs> to drive for me. <laughs> yeah, right. Just get a Tesla. Yeah, there you go. That's right. And all it takes is a Tesla. Yeah. Self drive. Yep. All right. We really went on a tangent there. Hooey. Thanks. All right. 
weed that we didn't have. Thanks, weed. All right, now that we're done with the gondola, we're at the top of the mountain. It's time for a little... Let's go to Ski News. Oh. All right, first off in the old Ski News. Now, this is a story we've been talking about for the past probably at least five months, maybe six months. Yeah. It's this, a big deal. Yeah. The Outdoor Retailer Show officially moving to Denver. How about mm-hmm. suck it, Salt Lake City? That's what you get. So this was just they had announced. They to move to a football-having town. That's why. Foosball. Um, <laughs> maybe they moved to a legalized cannabis state. That too. Think about that. So this was announced last week, and they're saying that uh, Denver is officially getting the Outdoor Retailer Trade Show, which is the twice-a-year summer and winter shows. Um, as after 18 months of intensive and harried negotiations, Denver has booked the trade show for the Colorado Convention Center for the next five years, starting in January 2018. Uh, so they announced earlier this year they were pulling out of the winter and summer outdoor retailer trade shows, pulling out of Salt Lake City, where they'd been for 21 years, citing Utah's political efforts to downsize recent National Monument designations, specifically the 1.35 million acre Bears Ears National Monument created by the Obama administration in December 2016. So this has been going on for, you know, for a couple of months now, and there was a, a huge outcry by the people of Utah. And a lot of the outdoor retailer uh, companies, you know, Patagonia and Black Diamond, all of them made statements saying that they're not going to go to the convention if it's in Utah because of the way they were, you know, taking back public land and, you know, privatizing it and not having it available to the people to use. So, you know what? It was a bold move and people stood up for what they believed in. And now it affected a giant corporation and made them have to move. You know, it's uh, again, yeah. this is the power of the people thing right here. Like we just talked about with cannabis, you know, power of the people, the people ma- sent a message and their message was heard and something happened. So I think, I mean, it's obviously fantastic for Denver and Colorado, which are, you know, obviously on a huge upswing with all their tons of tax revenues. And now they're getting, there's going to be more jobs, more income, more going to the state. So, you know, this is a, this is something that a lot of these other states should really start looking at that, you know, there's a lot of opportunities and almost every state now is in need of money or having some sort of you know, financial budget issues, you know, listen to what the people want. Yeah. That will, if you want to be cash rich in your state, listen to what the people want. And that's going to make a, I mean, they do it with your, they do it so many other things. I'm surprised they didn't do it with this because they're going to lose a ton of money. Mm -hmm. And as a business decision for, for that, they didn't, they didn't have it in the conversation. They made their decision to do the political move and now they're going to pay for it. And you know what? That it, that should happen. Just, it's a beautiful thing. I'm very happy to see this. You know, we love Salt Lake City, but you know what? If you want to be a bunch of... In your face, Utah. If you don't want to do what the people want, this is what's going to happen. In your face. We power. <laughs> we empower the government. The only reason people have any power is because we say they have it. We're going to roll up with our chicken hats, and we're going to go out strong in Denver. That's what I'm saying. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Denver. Nice job. Sorry, Salt Lake City. You still have your ghetto liquor stores and your crackheads. 
that we saw. <laughs> Some good skiing, though. But there is great skiing. Um, anyway, so the East Sleeping Beauty of Ski Resorts, Saddleback Mountain in Maine, is, has been bought by an Australian company. So they are going to uh, pretty this thing up, and it is going to... Um, they're, they're speculating that it's going to be really nice when it opens up. It's a really great ski area. Uh, so hopefully it uh, turns out good. The Australian-based conglomerate uh, does not have previous experience operating a ski resort. So so I never really even heard of Saddleback Mountain. I mean, it's been closed for the last couple of years. Yeah. But it's apparently huge. I mean, it's the third largest ski resort in Maine. So I guess Sunday River and, and Sugarloaf are the two biggest. Yeah, the Sunday River is supposed to be really nice. We've got to get there. Damn. It's gigantic. You know what, though? The time it takes to get there... Yeah, so many other. If you're gonna drive you go. up, you can go fly out west, you yeah. know, or go somewhere in, you know, Vermont. Yeah, so. it's true. But it would be it'd be a fun trip to go and check that out. Unless you kind of like start at the top and then make your way down, type of thing, you know. Yeah, that'd be a good road trip thing. Yeah, yeah do like take like a month off and just start up there and bounce around. I like yeah. that. I like that month off thing. You know, it's the way to do it. You're gonna have a new baby. Just take the baby with you. <laughs> just be nomadic. You have in-laws, right? Yeah. Can you watch a baby for like a month? It was just born. I got to go ski. <laughs> you got to be nomadic, you know? Life on the road. It's going to be like a Little Miss Sunshine. That's My right. My would love that. You yeah. see, your, her family would love that if we just yeah. get a little baby Bjorn. You ski with that. There you go. <laughs> yeah, right? I think that's trial by fire. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. I don't think it's legal. <laughs> oh, God. I think I saw somebody on one of the mountains with that. They have the, the backpack thing yeah. too. I've seen like it's almost like a. They were skiing with the with the baby. It wasn't an infant. It was like a little kid, like a toddler. Yeah, like a toddler. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. that still doesn't look good. Like you you fall yes. and that, you fall with the kid. I don't know. It was weird. Hey, to each his own. I don't. Yeah. I'm tell you, toughen them up. <laughs> That's right. It's like 300. <laughs> Throw them on the pile. If they get off, then they're keepers. That's one know, way like, to look at it. <laughs> you, you know, it's, if you think about it, I mean, parents do that with their kids on bicycles. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, my dad fell with me, <laughs> like on a bike when I was in aw, bike seat. You aw. turned out sort of fine. I did. Sort, yeah. Sort of fine. <laughs> yeah, I do see that. The evidence may show. Yeah. I like the little tag along. You know, they have the little um, caboose that they yeah. attach to the bike. Those are cool. Yeah, I was looking at a Thule one of those. Nice. Yeah, it's like a whole like wagon. <laughs> you you, you have to think about all the accessories for the for the baby. You can accessorize this little <laughs> little punk. Yep. That's right. But yeah, those little seats where the baby's facing the other way on the bike are pretty pretty wild looking. Yeah, right. I'm like, I don't know. That seems like they're pretty high up. Yeah. But it's all okay. <laughs> anyway, they're saying um, Saddleback at 4,120 feet has an impressive summit and the vertical drops about 2,000 feet. It's not bad. Not bad at all. And they said the deal included about 6,000 acres. Wow. But they're, yeah, they're saying too that this is uh, going to help Maine's economy too. Oh, yeah. And it should add you know, hundreds of jobs back to the area and plans to develop four season activities at the resort, which seems to be the big thing in a lot of resorts now. Yeah, very nice. Mm-hmm. And you know what? And skiing and boarding has become popular again, really good weather. So, you know, that, that's good for business. Mm hmm. Yeah, and Saddleback is located in west central Maine, about 125 miles west of Bangor, and tucked in close to both the Vermont and Canadian borders. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Now, are they saying that it's going to be up and running this season? 
they said they're not going to be doing anything until the end of the summer. So I don't know mm-hmm. if that's going to... That's going to be They don't tricky. have a date yet for reopening. I imagine they're going to try to open up during the, the winter at some point. Mm-hmm. But they probably have to get in there and assess like the safety and the upgrades, like stuff they need to do basically to open. And then probably try to open... I imagine they'd want to open during the season at some point. And I just read the comments, and I think it's pretty funny. They said that, hey, Maine doesn't border Vermont. It borders New Hampshire. So, yes, it's between the Canadian and New Hampshire borders. Good job, Ski Mag. Oh, you are Skiing Magazine. You don't know what freaking borders Maine? Whoa. Granted, I just read this. Listen, Ski Mag, <laughs> they put out a list of the top skiing podcasts, and we were not included. So Yeah, we have a bunch of I've got a little bit of a, an axe to grind with the good folks at Ski Mag. And I did not respond to our tweet either. So, you know, I yeah. get it. What's up with that, yo? I get it. You know, I I see where you're where you're coming from, and I you know we're a little bit under the radar now. We're still in pre greatness phase, but you know what? A little bit of uh, maybe respond back. You could be you could be the ones that discover something dynamite that takes over the skiing world, and you want to ignore it, like some don't ignore greatness. Don't ignore greatness. It's only going to come back it. to bite you in the ass. What outdoor can... outdoor retailer show. I'm just saying. You know what? I have a new goal. I want to own SkiMag.com in five years. What do you think about that, SkiMag? Boom. Throwing it out there. Yeah. What we, you going to do? Let's get investors. I'm going to speak to some VC investors this week. Yeah. I'm going to take a, my Bitcoin. I'm going to buy freaking SkiMag in five years. I have a few years. friends with uh, a Rolodex, and we'll talk to some people. Yeah. So you could have updated your article to SkiMag to actually correct that. But I guess you're just too busy, you know, being on vacation, doing yeah. whatever. I guess if it's on the internet, it's real, right? Not keeping it's up true. with things. So, shame on you. Shame on you, Ski Mag. Shame on you. Step your game up. All right, what do we got next? So, this isn't really a ski story. It's just kind of a very sad, negative, problematic global warming story, which does relate to skiing, of course. A giant iceberg the size of Delaware finally breaks off of Antarctica. So this wow. has been news for the last couple of weeks, and it's been speculated that it was going to go. And finally... You mean on the size of the USS Delaware? Or <laughs> the actual state? Only. The actual state of I Delaware. Can. But isn't it Delaware like four square feet? I mean, it isn't that big, is it's it? It's a tiny place. Let's see the size of Delaware. They, they probably have the most toll booths per square foot. That's like all it is. It's like you go through and there's just all toll it's booths. just toll booths, right? One road and all toll booths. Yeah. It's 2,491 miles. Whoa. Square miles. That's a big iceberg then. That's a pretty big iceberg. Yeah. It's roughly... Uh, it's, it's pretty freaking big. Oh, man. So for the past month, scientists have been expecting a large portion of the Larsen Sea ice shelf to break off of the Antarctic Peninsula, the most prominent peninsula in Antarctica. Sometime between Monday and Wednesday, the trillion-ton giant iceberg about the size of Delaware finally separated from the Larsen Ice Shelf. Researchers discovered the iceberg had broken off after analyzing satellite data of the area. Now, that, that's going to break off and float somewhere, right? So I'm wondering, is it going to reach, like, just start, like, crashing into, like, Tokyo or freaking the west coast of the U.S.? Like, what's going to happen to that thing? 
It would probably melt. I think it would first. melt by then. Yeah. I'm wondering, like, at the rate of melting, like, is it all going to melt? Like, because that's a pretty big piece. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it would probably take a long time to travel that far, too. Well, that's right. Unless it hits, like, a current or something. I don't know, like, the melting rate. I, I That'd would, be pretty I wild assume, if it did, like, just... Yeah, I would assume it probably doesn't look like... It probably... Because well, they used a satellite to see that it broke off. So I would think that it's going to stick around... You know, can't move that quick, it right? It can't move that quick, yeah. But I wonder if it would mess up like shipping lines eventually. Like if it's big enough mm. and it just kind of oh, rolls yeah. into like, you know, cruising shipping lines, like it would mess up like travel and stuff around it. So they're saying that the the new iceberg that broke off has a lot, has multiple branches and several weak spots. So they're saying that it could, you know, break off into to more pieces. Probably as it hits warmer water, I would guess. Yeah, I'm looking at the satellite imagery of it, mm-hmm. and they have, like, it looks like there's, like, two or three forks that come out. Mm-hmm. And we're just getting bigger and bigger. And, wow. It's pretty wild. Yeah. So that's kind of not so wonderful news. But. Well, then again, you... if it goes into warmer water, is it going to cool down that warmer water? Right? I guess perhaps it might have to, right? I don't know. Hmm. I remember seeing something a long time ago on um, Discovery, and they were talking about how with global warming will lead into, like, uh, kind of an ice age because they say, like, there's this system of, like, the water churning, and with the uh, fresh cold water melting, it'll sink down, and it kind of screws up that whole cycle, and they're saying it would actually start reversing and go into, like, a whole ice age, like a bad ice age, like where we would just freeze out kind of thing. But is there really a... There's such a thing as the bad ice age isn't for skiing. It'd be great skiing. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that'd be kind of awesome, wouldn't it? We have space heaters, so we can use the space heaters inside. We live underground like moles. How yeah. does how does solar work when it's cold? It still works. It still works, right? Like the sun. All sun's still the, the sun. sun. Yeah. All you need is because all you're doing is you're taking the sun and you're translating into um, electric, and you're taking the electric and creating heat. It's not heat. Right. right. It's the, the rays of the sun. It's the it's just so sun. as long as you're getting sun. And I guess the problem right now is the way the earth works is that the times when you get, you get the least amount of sun in the wintertime. Right. But if the whole planet is ice-aged, then even the summertime would still be cold but get the 16 hours of sun. Right. Right? So you're actually, still get sun, so you're still going to be able to generate heat. Okay. Unless it clouds up, then we're screwed. Mm. <laughs> then we get no solar. We really freeze down, and but we're just still ski. Up. We ski like crazy. But we'll still have all that the daylight from the summertime. Just make sure the fire doesn't go out, and then we're good. <laughs> like the eternal flame, keep it running. Exactly. So we have or the we're eternal all flame. Just freeze then. Well, it'll be like um, the Matrix, where the machines keep us alive just for the heat that we generate. Ooh, that's true. But we can start just burning bodies for heat. People well, who can't take the cold, uh, that, that throw them on the fire. Mm. Just start burning a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you are not on board for this, are you? Uh, the burning bodies part. Eh. See, luckily, we probably won't be in charge. So I think there'll be <laughs> really smart scientists that might figure this out. Just I don't want to put a lot of faith in scientists. <laughs> I want to be able to take, be in control of my own destiny. As long as they legalize weed, you'd be good. They can't not unlegalize it. Exactly. Right? As long as we can ski and we got legal weed, we're good. What if we wrap people in weed and throw it in the fire? Wrap it in foil. Weed foil. 
And like your body heat will keep you all nice and jacked and warm. So we have aluminum foil. What about hemp aluminum foil? That could happen too. Right? Never know. That's a good idea. Like a sarcophagus? Why don't we burn the hemp in the in the little caves that we're going to live in? Mm-hmm. And then it just like the everything gets You'll be in so barbecued you won't care that the no I'm one's saying. left. Yeah. I'm saying. What is it they cook like in banana leaves? Like fish sometimes, right? Yeah, they cook a lot of stuff in banana leaves. Yeah. Why not just pot leaves? They can wrap people in banana leaf. <laughs> you just walk around. That's what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's a good idea. I'm, I'm on board with that. We're, we'll start the banana leaf... Um, conglomerate you know initiative mm-hmm. we'll see that that chiquita carries. banana cannabis one of the most popular fruits around right sources of uh most portable source of uh food yeah Whew. all right happy story now yes let's go to the happy story back to me all right fine you. i'm running this shit george <laughs> jadenoff skiing off of the snowbird tram on his 100th birthday so this is a beautiful, happy story. Um, George, he's a kind of a, a well-known skier, I guess, in Utah. He's usually skiing at Alta, but on his 100th birthday this past week, he skied off of uh, the Snowbird Tram. Got a few turns in in July, which is, you know, it's always great to be skiing in July, but he did it on his 100th birthday. Nice. And there's a great video of him, you know, cruising down, just happy, having a great time, loving life. And they presented him, I guess it was Ski Utah, presented him with this really cool placard. It's it like looks, a piece of cut tree, right? Yeah, they took about like a couple a couple inch, you know, you circle of a, a tree. Nice. And, you know, have his name engraved in there. He was good for 100, man. He's he's making some nice turns, yeah. He's got those rear entry uh, boots. Those groovy boots and his, like, <laughs> 1989 jacket and gloves. Retro, but he's uh, he's living the dream, man. I mean, how, I, he doesn't look a hundred. He doesn't. He looks doesn't maybe, act it either. Looks maybe in his seventies. I gotta say, he looks really good. That's the key to life, man. Keep moving. Don't stop moving. Be like a shark. Don't stop skiing. Don't stop skiing. Yeah, that's the key. The key. key to a long life. Skiing. Yep. Proven right there. Yep. Thanks, George. Ah, uh, it's, it's very, it's it's a very inspirational and, and happy video. So it's worth checking out. We'll have it on the podcast website. SkiBumPodcast.com. Definitely. All right. And now, what to- what's the time? It's dream time. Dream time. From July 15th to August 1st, it is DPS dream time. Mm-hmm. So what we got here is, if anybody doesn't know, uh, dream time is the time that you can buy special skis from DPS. This is the only time of year you're getting discounted rates on DPS skis. Yes. Now, Mario... You ski on DPS skis. Oh my goddamn DPS skis. They were the best purchase I've ever made ski for any ski equipment. Ever, ever? Ever. Even better than my boots. Wow. Those things are great. And they're not even like the baller ass great DPS. Like I got a deal on them last year and they're they're good. They're hybrids. They're they're good for what I ski on. Mm-hmm. I love those skis. Oh man, they have the Alchemist Whaler 112s. How much are those going for? If you have to ask, you can't afford them. Damn. Well, they usually They're go on sale. For 15% off. 15% off. One, they... $1,099. That's not bad. No. So <laughs> you, you talk to anybody. So we went to the ski shop in, in Whistler, mm-hmm. and we're trying to haggle. We're like, you, you know, all three of us are going to buy skis right now. 
like we'll drop money and we'll buy the skis. They're like, no, we'll we'll still sell them. Don't worry about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're like, yeah, they don't budge on that. So, yeah, this is the time to go. Take a look. Yeah. And in general, this is the time to look around for stuff. Mm-hmm. Getting ready to the uh, middle end of the season uh, of the almost ski season. And that's when you start uh, finding some deals. Yeah. Yeah, they got some nice looking skis on here. I'm trying to find out if they have any like really like funky, unique ones. Because I remember last year they had those blue ones. I forget if they were Whalers or what they were. See, I have the Whaler Hybrid 105s. And the Hybrid's a little stiffer, mm-hmm. uh, but still has the big shovel. And it's a perfect size for somebody that skis a lot on the East Coast, but will take occasional trips. I took them out to Vail. They were great. A lot of fun. And they got some really nice new skis out here. The Foundation Cassier. They got the new, uh, the Tour Tour Ones. The Tour One Whalers. They got the 99s, the 112s. See, you got to remember, you can't ski on them if you're dead. So That's true. Now's the time to ski on them. Mm-hmm. Got big, fat Alchemist Lotus 124s. Oh, here we go. The powder 150s. Oh, my God. Jeez. Those are gigantic skis. Those are great, but you need the powder to ski. <laughs> Those are, powder definitely helps. I don't think uh, on fresh scrapes, these would be the ideal skis to go with. Nah. 150 underfoot. Oh, they don't, they don't exist. Wow. The product you're trying to reach either doesn't exist or is currently unavailable for purchase. You Ooh. teases. Jeez. You dirty... Mormon teases. <laughs> How dare you do it? See, Utah is just everything's coming up negative on Utah right now. See the the ones. So the ones I have are they're good for East Coast because, like I said, they um they have more metal in them too. Yeah, they're still light, but they got um good amount of metal, especially with all the ice we have here. Mm-hmm. They handle like smaller skis. Like, they're 105s, but they handle, like, they're maybe 95s or 100s. Nice. Yeah, good stuff. So, yeah, check it out. DPS Dreamtime. Make it happen. Boom. Yeah, the Alchemist is their big ski this year, it looks like. Yeah, they just kind of changed up the uh, their previous line. Yeah. All right, another story that we talked about a few months ago over in Silverton Mountain in Colorado. So the San Juan Citizens Alliance are filing an appeal over Silverton's Heliski expansion. It's back in May. Following two years of environmental review, the Bureau of Land Management granted Silverton Mountain's request to expand its heliskiing tenure in the San Juan Mountains. We were happy about this story before. Yeah, supporters of the deal <laughs> applauded, uh, but the announcement was met by some opposition. Local backcountry skiers and recreation enthusiasts cherish the easily accessible BLM land around Silverton, and many believe that the Heliski expansion will infringe upon that territory. Now, from what I remember, wasn't there some very strict guidelines about how many people could even go? Like, they could only allow a certain number of people per day or per month. Right. I think that's why it passed and it was going forward. Yeah. But now these people, you know, some people are trying to stop it. Yeah. They have almost 400 comment letters submitted um, to oppose this. Hmm. So I wonder if this is actually going to happen now or if it's going gonna, it's gonna to be on hold. Tied up in bureaucracy, maybe, for another year. Welcome to America in 2017. That's what happens. Yeah. So we'll keep tabs on this and you know we'll see what happens 
and uh, what they officially decide to do. Oh, it's time for our main topic. Whew, we finally made it to the main topic. That took a while to get here. Yeah, it was uh, quite a ride. It was quite a ride. So what are we talking about today, Brian? We're talking about going south. Going south meaning? All the way to South America, that uh-huh. is. Yep, your pals here have yet to take their show on the road to the dirty south, but every year we make our plans just in case the tides turn in our favor to make it happen. So we've got some good information for us in case those six numbers hit next week or if you are making your plans to get down to South America. The first thing we have here is this was a cool story that was posted on Snowbrains this past week. And it was the top seven reasons to explore Patagonia. And for those who don't know, Patagonia consists of a region in Argentina and Chile and is the southern part of the South American continent. And in this article, it gives you a breakdown of uh, you know, some of the reasons why you should go there. And number one is the size. Size matters? Size does matter. And the Andes are vast, beautiful, volcanic, and rugged. After the Himalayas, they're the highest mountain range on the planet. Really? I had no idea. I had no idea either. Totally out of the loop. And it forms a natural border between Chile and Argentina. Wow. So I did a little bit of extra research on this, and I found out that it is actually the longest continental mountain range in the world, the Andes. Hmm. It's 4,300 miles long, and the average height is 13,000 feet. That's pretty tall. That's very tall. And it goes through seven countries, Venezuela, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia, Argentina, and Chile. And then even in Argentina and Chile, there's different sections. There's a dry section and a wet section. Hmm. Obviously, for skiing, you want to be in a wet section. (laughs) Hmm. Um, So another, going back to the article now, another one of the reasons why you should explore Patagonia is it's uncrowded. That's always a good reason. It says, with the possible exception of the last two weeks in July when they have school breaks, skiing is largely lacking in crowds. And then once you peel off from the official ski resorts and head into the backcountry, you'll find plenty of pristine, untouched areas. Mm. Number three, terrain variety. From gentle to hardcore and all the stops in between, the region offers up a diversity of terrain seldom found anywhere else. Tree skiing, glacier skiing, bowls, steeps, chutes, and couloirs, from Alaskan-style spines to rugged volcanic craters. That sounds pretty cool. Awesome, right? Snow quality. The region is vast and covers several climate zones, meaning the conditions will vary, keeping things interesting. Some mimic more of the maritime quality, while others are more reminiscent of the dry powder found in Utah. Hmm. The high altitude found here means the snowfall is reliable relatively well-retained, and as mentioned above, largely untracked in the backcountry. Oh, that's, that's, with that much space, I'm sure. I've seen a lot of tours that are just like in the Andes and Patagonia, like hut-to-hut, kind of just like backcountry tours. Yeah. This is what this one is based on, this this article. You know, it's, it's a bit of a an advertisement for a particular oh, is it? ski tour that, mm. you know, Snowbrains has done before. But there's a lot of really good stuff in here. So number five, human-powered skiing mecca. Enjoy the sights on the way up nearly as much as the thrills on the way down in its land of endless off-piste action. And it mentions the Cirque offers all aspects of five-star 
AT terrain for every backcountry skier. Hmm. Now, this one was interesting, and you know, I, I you don't really think about it that much. Uh, local culture, number six. Après starts late, dinner is later, and dancing is much, much later. <laughs> oh, wow. A trip to Patagonia offers the opportunity to not only explore great skiing, but also to enjoy the distinct culture in the region. Argentina, eh, Argentina is the home to Malbec wines, tango joints, and famed Argentine steaks. Wow. Think about it. You get a nice, big, fat steak. Some Malbec. Great glass of wine, all local. Nice. And, oh, delicious, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, they say Chile's vineyards have been a, uh, a hotbed, and they're saying it could be the next Napa Valley. And then its urban center, Santiago, has a distinctive laid-back vibe. Oh, cool. I think if you're going to Chile, because I looked at trips to Bar- you know, do Bariloche, I think you fly into Santiago. Because Bariloche is Argentina. Um, yeah. But you fly in. Yeah. It's a pretty long drive, I've heard. Yeah, I think, but yeah, you have to take a long drive. That's that's kind of the rub on going. Doing yeah, a trip there. you really need to take a, a good amount of time. The logistics are mm-hmm. are kind of rough. Yeah. And lastly, number seven, cozy mountain huts. Multi-day ski excursions will include nights in Patagonia's backcountry lodges. Designed in a typical rustic alpine style, they provide incredible views and access points to explore the vast terrain. So after reading this and looking at all the photos, you know, we did a little more research. And uh, yeah, you really can't go wrong by hitting up Patagonia for a backcountry tour. So... I think we saw something like this for the U.S. ski towns last year. And now they actually have what South American ski town uh, are you? And they talk about the different towns and the characteristics that they have. So you kind of just go through and you, you pick out like what your idea of a, of a nice ski town and a vacation uh, means to you. And they uh, it's pretty cool. They have a bunch of videos. Uh, it's too much to go through. Like, I mean, that's like, a lot of information there, mm-hmm. but you could read through and it's like, you know, they talk about like Las Nenas, Argentina, and they'll say, you know, uh, if you're a legend or going to be one real soon, you need a place that can hold up to your badassery. So they talk about how there's, um, you know, uh, lines in every direction, steep, um, aesthetically pleasing, um, almost like you're going to be the star in your own ski movie when you're skiing there. Huh. So... Uh, that's like one place, uh, just take another place, for example, um, you know, uh, Portillo, Chile, they're saying head there if you don't, uh, head there if you don't deal with rabid hordes of powder frenzies, uh, you're comfortable hobnobbing with genteel international skier, uh, at a jet set cocktail hour, uh, then it's more for you. So it kind of gives you a, a feel for what to expect at these places. And I think it's pretty, pretty neat. So. Yeah, I know I was going through this, and based on what I like, I like the uh, San Carlos de Bariloche, Argentina. Ah. Head here if you want to be an expat skier, but long-term, not this seasonal crap. You'd try France, but the ego you'd have to develop seems like a lot of work. Something more laid-back is your style, but also a pace where you can fit right in with what everyone back in the U.S. thinks are homicidal driving habits. <laughs> cool. You can subsist entirely on meat, red wine, chocolate, and the world's most incredible ice cream and microbrews from La Cruz every now and then. 
your fairy tale life has cute Swiss and German Alpine architecture via decades of immigration, not a marketing gimmick, everywhere. Bohemian people, a massive lake, world-class climbing, skiing, and a whole bunch of other totally laid-back, super-sick athletes who couldn't muster the energy to develop a big ego either, so they stayed there too. Hmm. Very cool. That's my town. That's, That's where town. I would go. That's your jam? That's my jam. Yeah, I was looking at uh, El Colorado. Uh, in Far El Colorado Far Farlones in Chile. And they're saying if you want the best of both worlds, you like the tiny ski town at the top of a long, hideous road. Rust <laughs> <laughs> rusting hulks of cars, um, poorly engineered switchbacks. Uh, but um, they're saying uh, they have all-night discos, about 8,000 feet directly down on fall lines. So there's a lot of like great skiing, great partying. So kind of that, that looks like... And it's right above Santiago, Chile. Yeah. It's... Uh, Said it's not the most popular ski spot in Nor for the North America crew, but that's fine with you if you're here to hang with other gringos. <laughs> you're not here, right? Uh, you're not here to hang with uh, yeah. other gringos, yeah. Aside from the small but rad local Chilean skier crew, everyone else here sucks. So you have uh, <laughs> road laps and collars all to yourself. So Nice. It looks like great terrain and people that aren't going to ski them as hard, so... But you still got the entertainment, and I guess the big city comes over there. Yeah. Pretty cool. So, yeah, check that out. Check the link that we have out, because uh, pretty cool stuff. Mm -hmm. It really makes you realize, once you start reading through, all the different terrain. They have, like, videos of some of the, of a few of them. Um, but then when they describe it, it's, it's kind of like, wow, like what you just said before, the Andes has, like, such a wide variety of uh, terrain, it appears. Yeah, a lot of a lot of great places that you know. Again, they don't have the population density, and you know, probably not the disposable income to, you know, to really go and ski as much. So there, if you do go there, you'll have you'll get a lot of runs and you know time on the mountains for your dollar. Yeah, and it's so vast. It seems like you just get a good experience out of it. Oh no yeah. What. And we one additional story that just came through that Bariloche, Argentina. Just got 20 inches of new snow today. Yes, and the forecast says it's going to keep dumping into tomorrow. Damn. So you can ski all the way to the base, which is a rare situation any time of the year, but especially rare in July. That's crazy. And they said that the new snow is really going to shore up the base and hopefully make August dynamite. That's really cool. Yeah. They got pounded last year too, right? I think they had a relatively good year, yeah. I think they were the one you show the pictures. Remember they did uh, uh, photos of South American ski resorts mm -hmm. after like they got that whole big snow? That's right, yeah. And this one was like almost up to like the second story of snow. It was crazy. There was a pretty solid pummeling. Yeah. So yeah, this is going to inspire me to buy more lottery tickets next week and <laughs> hope to make a nice little express trip down there. There you go. For the end of the summer. That would be nice. That would be kind of badass. Yeah, so we'll have the links to all of these on the website, skibumpodcast.com, so you can check it out. And if you have any other, if you have any trips that you've made down there and some advice and, and other information, send us a link. Hit us up on our socials or send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com, because the more info we have, the more we can share with all the other listeners and uh, get the word out. Exactly. Under 
the ropes. You know what time it is now. Oh, I know. It's time to go under the ropes and let's start running away from the ski patrol and get some fresh pow. Indeed, sir. So Andrea has run off to bed, but she wishes you all good night and she loves you and thanks you for, for being so kind to her. Uh, but first off, what do we got? All right, so the dark market Alpha Bay goes the way of Silk Road after uh, the one of the operators was found dead. So if it's anybody doesn't crazy know, story, yeah. that's crazy. So if anybody doesn't know Silk Road, I mean Brian and I just read the um, American Kingpin, Kingpin, which is a Silk Road story. Um, and basically, for anybody that doesn't know, Silk Road was an illegal website. That, no, it was a legitimate website that was like the eBay for illegal stuff. So people would do trades there. They would um, buy drugs. They would buy weapons. They would set up hits. Like it was a, a really crazy thing. All on the dark web, with it, which if anybody doesn't know, the dark web exists under the regular web. Uh, was actually started by, you actually go through the Tor browser, which was created by the government, the I believe Navy. the Navy, mm-hmm. uh, to do like covert uh, transactions, you know, un- untraceable um uh, messaging and i think they say it's something like 80 percent of the entire web is in the dark web which is pretty in- interesting if you think about all the stuff you do online it's really creepy there's a yeah. huge it's like a tooth there's like more of it like behind the scenes than you know uh but anyway so this company silk road used to operate there the guy that started got busted like everybody that got bust you know they all got busted and and one of the reasons they did eventually i think they were trying to put hits out on people and stuff like that it was really crazy yep um there was another site that came up uh called alpha bay and they were operating for a while and they were you know selling drugs counterfeit credit cards other illegal goods and i guess the u.s canada and thailand got together and they brought down they arrested this guy, Alexander Kazes, uh, who is a Canadian citizen and allegedly one of the site's operators. So they arrested him. They had him in, I believe it was Thailand, and he was in a jail in Thailand, and they found him uh, the next day after getting taken into custody. They were going to extradite him to face charges in the United States, and they found him uh, hung in his cell. So uh, very kind of... I don't know, strange circumstances under it and all, but uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's dark. And so, you know, I think for the most part they used, uh, well, I know they, they may have used Bitcoin, but they were using a couple other cryptocurrencies. I think it was Zcash, which is similar, but is truly anonymous. Because Bitcoin, while most people think it's anonymous, it really isn't. You can you can trace wallets back to, to people if you can if you do enough. Wow, kind of uh, investigative work, but yeah, these the other currencies they were using were, um, were were fully anonymous. That's wild. Yeah, and there was another another person who helped, you know, that ran this Alpha Bay, who was allegedly run off with the rest with the money they had. Wow. I mean, then there was like, I forget if it was between five and fifteen million dollars. Well, they're saying, like, just from statistics that they were doing business, they said in the first six months in 2017, they sold more than $5 million in stolen credit card numbers, and the total sales on the site were averaging between 600000 and 800000 per day. Oh, my God. 
per day. It's crazy. That is crazy, yeah. So I can only imagine like that American uh, Kingpin book that we were reading, they were talking about the amount of money that this person, that these people had in Bitcoin, mm-hmm. which is just incredible. It was staggering. Like, you know, almost in the billions. Yeah, right. So yeah, this the story we're still kind of, it's still unfolding a bit, the information, but yeah, the one founder of was found, you know, hung in his prison, and uh, we'll probably get more information down the road as things pop up. Do you wonder what, like, when one Silk Road goes down, another one's going to come up? Well, they had multiple iterations of the Silk Road, too. They kept getting shut down by the FBI. Yeah. But yeah, now they're, uh, you know, they're, you're only going to make these people figure out new and more interesting ways. Yeah, and you really can't shut them down unless you find where either they have the servers or you find the people. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, if you can't find either, which they can hide if they're very careful these places exist it's it's crazy yeah right all right next up this was found on rob report one of our favorite sites and it's singapore's 15 story supercar vending machine <laughs> elevates the buying experience yeah, you got to look at the pictures. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a 150-foot vehicle dispenser, which delivers exotic pre-owned beauties at the push of a button. That's wild. I read the story, and it was pretty fascinating. So uh, this, the founder of this company had gone with his son to Toys R Us, and he was blown away by the way the Matchbox cars created this beautiful display that allowed you to you know, pick the cars out that you, you know, wanted to buy. So he worked with an architect to create a a full size version of this for <laughs> real cars. It is awesome looking. Yeah, it's uh, Autobahn Motors in Singapore, and yeah, there's I think there's up to was it 150 cars they have usually. <laughs> it looks fake when you first look at it, mm-hmm. and then you start seeing the buildings next to it, and you're like, holy crap, that's like a real building. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And they have vehicles ranging from a Lamborghini Aventador and a Rolls-Royce Phantom drophead to a Porsche 962 Turbo and a rare powder blue 1955 Morgan. Wow. And pretty much everything else in between. A lot of Porsches. It's like a few SUVs. Uh, it's, it's really fascinating. And again, it doesn't look real, <laughs> but it actually is. It's so cool. What's interesting, they say they're pre-owned, so I'm wondering if like... Is a there, fancy used car lot. Yeah, I'm like, this is pretty wild. Wonder if you get a deal. Can you haggle? Is it open 24 hours? You just go there and you just pick out your car and you can just drive away? Like, or do you have to have people around? Can you use Bitcoin to pick it up? Boom, there you go. And one thing you can do is, which I'm doing right now, is if you go to Google Maps, you can do like a, you know, like a map view and you can see this is a real thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, if you go to, the, to Google Maps... And uh, just type in Autobahn Motors in Singapore. You can see it there. And there's some, it looks like there's a minivan in there, which I'm sure in Singapore is a fortune because everything in it, everything there is a fortune. Yeah. Um, there's some a little bit less fancy cars, but it still has that same unique, awesome, you know, architecture and layout. Well, Singapore, there's a lot of money in Singapore. There's a there? ton of money in Singapore. That's all the. You um, pretty much have to be rich to live there. It's like a big semiconductor industry, right? Is what. Got them big. Was it semiconductors? I mean, it's very... I thought it was semiconductors, but... It's definitely an international hub for... I think it's the biggest port in the world, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, probably too. I mean... Yeah. I'm on the street view. I'm trying to look for it. It's right next to the Ikea. 
I'll yep. go back. Here's a busted IKEA Sportage. Up, oh, that's a different store. Uh, huh. So you could buy I, you could buy furniture, and you could buy right next door. Right next door. <laughs> All right, let's see if I can look from the uh, the highway. Jalan Bouquet. Mira. There it is. I see it. Pretty neat, right? Yeah. It's actually it looks, there. It looks like the uh, picture, though, when they were building it, it still has the construction fence around. Oh, yeah. So I guess that's when Google Earth went around to map it. But you see the, the windows with the cars? It looks better probably at night because this is a day shot, and the windows you can't really see as clear. At night, it looks like they have LEDs really lighting up these cars pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you definitely got to look at it. That'd be cool. Just walk in like whenever you want. Just yeah, I'm gonna get that car. Boop, pick comes something out. up. Yeah, let's go drive around. Very cool stuff. Wow. All right. Um, next up, we have. I don't really look at this story, but they're talking about a controllable thumb, third thumb, lets wares extend their natural abilities. So um, there is a. A person doing their graduate work at the Royal College of Art, Danny Claude, um, she created a wearable third thumb that can help uh, users carry more objects, um, squeeze lemons, play complex chords on a guitar. So this is pretty weird. It like hooks up to your hand, and it looks like it has sensors. I guess it senses your tendons when you're flexing, and it will allow you allow that third thumb or kind of extra pinky it's like on the end of mm -hmm. your hand um and it'll let you flex it and use it like a an extra digit it's pretty weird but pretty interesting i mean well it's, it's really funky because it says it's controlled by the movement of the wearer's feet via pressure sensors embedded in their shoes that's gotta so be I guess so you weird need to, to kind coordinate. of tap on something to make it work yeah that's there's like a bluetooth module you have to attach to your shoe and then there's the bluetooth and the motor in your like the wristwatch that's attached to it this is weird yeah like what i understand like you could use it for stuff but like why would you need an extra finger i think it's one of those things that you don't realize what you could do because you don't have it but if you did have it you might find some very valuable applications for it I mean, they show the guy doing playing the the guitar and the the chords yeah. that you could, you know, use it on for creating, I guess, unique sounds. That's wild. Which is really cool. Yeah, this is really weird. It's really creepy looking. Yeah, but you wonder, like, so this is an enhancement on on your body to make you, to allow you to do other stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, you wonder, like, is that going to catch on? And then we're all going to have to have it. Pretty sure that's what's going to happen. Wow. You know, we've we've outgrown this body that we've been given, and we have to start. We can. We now have the technology and the, the power and the ability to to move on and, and modify it in the way we need it. Hmm. It's almost like we're moving into cyborg action and bionics and got to have it. It's yeah. looking that way. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like, well, you know, now it's going to be like a socioeconomical thing, too. Like, you have to be able to afford to have the surgery. Remember that black mirror with the uh, the eye chip? Oh, yeah. You got to be able to afford the eye thing. And if you couldn't, like, the one lady had it ripped out, and she didn't have it replaced. Like, oh, how can you live without that? Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Which black mirror, by the way, um, maybe October, if anybody hasn't watched that oh, on nice. Netflix. 
Yeah, if you want to really freak yourself out, make yourself paranoid about everything. Oh, uh, it's awesome. Though. Black Mirror is the way to go. Like shows you lots of. So that's season four. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta go back and rewatch it. Yeah. That was a good good series. One of the big things about that is that things are not as they appear. Yeah, they do a good job with the twist at the end. Fantastic job. Yeah. Yeah. Makes you think. Definitely. All right. Next up, we have the geo orbital powered bicycle wheel. Now we're both, you know, cycling fans here. We partake in in the activity of bicycling and we came across this on uncrate which i found pretty cool and it's it's pretty much a it looks like a, a rim of a bicycle with a triangular uh piece in the middle a motor with a wheel it's it's kind of tough to to describe exactly hmm. but what it does is is uh you can take your standard bicycle wheel that you have now and Attach this and have the benefit of electric power without having to buy a whole new bike. So it combines just in the wheel. It's amazing. Yeah, combines a removable rechargeable Panasonic battery with a 500 watt brushless motor to provide a propulsion for up to 50 miles if you pedal and up to 20 if you don't. Hmm. Aerospace grade aluminum frame keeps things in place while keeping the weight down, and the clip-on throttle works just like a gas pedal, giving you access to speeds of up to 20 miles per hour on demand. That's crazy, dude. That's and it's awesome. A, and yeah, it comes in two different sizes to fight nearly uh, to fit nearly any bike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so say you want the to have an electric bike, but you already have a bike and don't want to buy a whole new one, you could just get this uh, geo-orbital wheel and apply it. You know, for the advance in technology, this is really actually amazingly cool. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you could put on any bike that you currently own... For a thousand bucks, that's really not that bad. That's, uh, but I guess, I mean, uh, I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't get it because I don't need it. But if you're commuting to work, maybe I don't know. So if you got two of them, could you go forty miles an hour? I don't know. That's a good question. Right now, what about getting this for your uh, bike race that you have? I think people would notice. It's not a race. It's just a ride. What if would people notice? <laughs> <laughs> they already cut people's bikes open at the Tour de France because they think people are cheating. Oh, well, that's the Tour de France, like, by the things that you compete in. Yeah. Well, I don't really, yeah, they're not really competitive. Nobody would probably notice, but yeah. nobody nobody would be stupid enough they're to like do Like, two this. hours ahead of everyone else? Yeah, right? Like, but I, but if you want to spend an extra grand, yeah, go right ahead. I actually have wheels. So my bi- my set of wheels for my bike cost more than $1,000. Damn. <laughs> so they cost more, but that's two Do wheels. they have motors in them? No motors. Jesus, you got ripped off. Self-propelled. You got ripped off. I got ripped off, man. Man. I could have just gotten one, kept my ghetto wheel in the back, and just gotten this one. Right? Damn it. See, oh. now it's making more sense. It's it's cheaper. Yeah. You blew it. Bam. Oh, well. Imagine going up the hill, 20 miles an hour. <laughs> Look at this. I'm kicking ass. That would be great. All right. Next up, last but not least, this was a really messed up story. So, uh... There is a man who self who self-identified as a bear. Um, found a bear community highly intolerant. So with this guy, <laughs> apparently, I thought for sure this was fake when I read it. I did too. But then they like interviewed his wife and stuff. It was crazy. So nobody knows exactly why he was a, um, what prompted this cybersecurity manager to abruptly walk out of work and into the forest. So an ongoing police investigate investigation is revealing that for nearly a year um ryan reese 
had been spending his savings on commissioning a Hollywood prop designer to create an elaborate bear costume <laughs> using a secret email account. So his wife told the police, I had no idea he was doing this. I thought he was spending the money on testicular cancer treatments. That is so beyond fucked up. On levels, like, it's just messed up. So I'm like, holy crap. So autopsy reports... Oh, so basically what the guy did is he got in a bear costume and he wanted to try to live among the bears and they killed him. So the autopsy revealed that he didn't even have testicular cancer. They created even a, a GoFundMe account for him. I mean, this to try is, to get money for treatment. This is crazy. So he spent approximately $42,000 <laughs> all on this elaborate bear costume. What the fuck was wrong with him? <laughs> I don't know what the hell. Did he obviously not watch Grizzly Man? Like, you know it's not going to end well. So he kept telling, so he had this costume designer and who's done work. So this guy, he's, he, he got one of the top guys. He did work in The Revenant, Grizzly, The Edge, Grizzly Man. So <laughs> he's done a lot of, like, real stuff. And he said he kept asking that guy while he was building the costume for him, um, would it trick a real bear? And the guy kept saying, I don't know, you know, but we don't do those kinds of tests. <laughs> so he this guy now this is like so weird so the costume designer Alfredo Franz said he kept getting asked and kept getting pressured from this other guy to promise him that it would work to fool a bear he's like I can't promise man he's like so he actually told him at at one point he's like yeah it'll shoot it'll fool bears but stop emailing me the guy kept asking so um they're actually saying Reese, the Reese family is bringing charges against Franz, claiming that he misled Reese into believing the costume would be safe to wear within the forest. That is one of the most top five ridiculous lawsuits I've ever heard in my life. You I mean, cannot nerf the world. If you're that stupid, you deserve exactly. to get eaten by a bear. You, you got to take ownership for your own own actions. I mean, that's Fucking, pretty messed up. If you needed proof there are too many lawyers, this is another story to put in that file because that is completely insane. I mean, if so the this, wife never checked up that he had testicular cancer or not, or was getting treatments or not, that's that's another part of her fault, she too. She should have been sucking on his balls to confirm that there was something wrong. I mean, really? How do you not know? That's actually how they say they, you find testicular cancer a lot of times, is He's, that the the lady or gentleman who is uh, servicing. On, servicing on the genital region will notice something lumpy and out of, out well, of place. Well, that's why you got to check yourself. Before you wreck yourself. That's right. Yes. So, oh, this is infuriating. So this this dumbass on June 29th, um, the day he received, the day after he received the completed bear costume in the mail, left work at 10:45 in the morning and drove to the Shenandoah National Forest. Uh, during the drive, he phoned various members of his family to tell them that his cancer had miraculously cured itself, and he was going on a little vacation to celebrate. Oh my! Like what God. a dickhead! All right, here's another fucked up part about this whole thing. <laughs> So, they're suing this guy, uh, Alfredo Franz, for the building the costume and apparently saying that, claiming that he said it was going to be okay. They're actually, the family members got together, they agreed to pay Alfredo Franz, Alfredo Franz, to reconstruct the shredded bear costume so that Ryan Reese may be buried in it. Um, how, how much messed up it, can this get? Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really understand. This sounds very National Enquirer-like. Like, this is just bizarre. And it's just like he loved the outdoors and solitude. None of us thought he was up to anything out of the ordinary. Of course, none of us knew he spent $42,000 on a bear costume either. 
We were just excited about his testicles being okay. That is a quote from his wife. <laughs> oh, my God. This is just really weird and creepy. Like, it just seems fake. Yeah. And to be, like, covert, like, he had a fake email account. He's lying to people yeah. saying, you know, about this whole thing. I don't know. They have a picture of the claw of one of the, uh, a spare claw found in his home. And it actually looks pretty real. The funeral was apparently uh, Sunday, July 2nd, was open to the public and was held at the, get this, Hungry Bear Barbecue in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Gatlinburg. Urban Ski Weekend. Urban Ski Weekend. We're going to go there this year. We're going to go to the Hungry Bear Barbecue. I think we have to. And then in lieu of flowers, if so inclined, please make a donation to the Bear Tolerance Education and Awareness Foundation. Is that real? Do they have a tax ID number? Because that sounds shady as fuck. <laughs> this guy actually should have looked them up and gotten some advice from them. Um, it's just really bizarre. Yeah. I know I'm getting my crazy bike wheel, and I'm not even thinking about this story after this. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, this can't be real. I really, I, I'm finding this very hard to believe. But who knows? Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps it is real. So if you look up the Bear Tolerance Education... You get nothing back. No, you get... You get that in there. Bear Management Report. Nope, (laughs) you just get awareness. that There's no organization. No, this seems fake. I mean, I really want to believe this. We got to check this out on Snopes. Yeah. The only thing that (laughs) comes... The second article that comes back is this actual story. (laughs) And this wasn't from The Onion. No. Well, it's from the Bear Onion. <laughs> it's from the Bear Bear Mageddon News Network. <laughs> the Bear Mageddon News Network. It actually has like a BNN logo. It looks like the CNN. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah. Even if it is fake, it's hilarious. It's so well written and beautiful. I just want to believe it's true. <laughs> All right, man identifies first bear king. There is a picture of him in front of the Hungry Bear Barbecue, so... Yeah, they don't... This isn't on Snopes. Yeah. This is probably fake, but you know what? Hey. We're we're just putting it out there in the universe for you, and we'll let you decide. Sometimes we get our sources from the Bearmageddon News Network. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes CNN. Sometimes um, Associated Press. You never know. All right. In the comments, BearmageddonNews.com is satire. Nothing here is intended to be thought of as true. This page is for entertainment purposes only. Oh, come on. It's a great story. It is. It is a great story. I wish it were true. But, uh, yeah, this is this was fake. But so let's talk about this site because <laughs> they have all sorts of funny ass, like wrong information on here. <laughs> they have bear attack tips. <laughs> Go punch the bear in his dick. Man, wait a minute. Where was this one? It was like, man who barely escapes bear attack dies of crapping in his pants. <laughs> yeah. A holiday guide to bear safety. Yeah, that was all fake. Avoid salmon-themed decorations. <laughs> <laughs> Take down free honey signs. Yeah. Remove all teddy bears from the premises. Man who narrowly escapes bear attack dies of pants crapping. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure carolers are not actually bears before opening your door. (laughs) 
Lock all your children in bear lockers. <laughs> Damn it. I really wanted that story to be true. Hire a Christmas sniper. <laughs> I love that. That's that's good on so many levels. Bear Mageddon. Uh I think we may have to create some sort of like scheme again site and just put a bunch of like fake, ridiculous. I'm gonna subscribe ski to this, stories. by the way. We're gonna get more news articles. We gotta throw them in every week. Definitely. So when people aren't expecting it, Bear Mageddon News Network. I think we got to make Scheme Again. <laughs> There's got to be a Scheme Again one already. Why must there be? How do you use Brazilian? They have a shirt. How do you use Brazilian Jiu Jitsu against the bear? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I actually like that shirt. Let's get two of them. <laughs> All right. So at least we got a little humor at the end of our podcast today. Yes. Well, fake news. Laughable story there. Hopefully everybody has a nice, uh, wonderful weekend. We'll be uh, back next week, hopefully. Yeah. We'll see. See how things go. We've got plenty of stuff that we want to share and, and talk about in the next couple of weeks while uh, things are still kind of calm before the, the beautiful madness that is ski season begins. So thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. All of our socials, they're out there. Facebook.com slash skibumpodcast. Instagram.com slash skibumpodcast. Twitter.com slash skibumpodcast. And we're on Pinterest. We're on SoundCloud. And we, again, thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll check you out next week. Stay high, stay fluent. See you.